I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment. From the editors of Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson. Hi guys, welcome to Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour. I'm your host, Lisa Benson. Um, I like to say that every hour at Cosmo is Happy Hour. Um, I just want to set up that right now we are recording this for the first time at the Cosmo office and we're in our unicorner, which is like a tiny little jail cell of a room that is just decorated in unicorn photos. So I think it's important for you to know um, what we're looking at right now. I am here with sex and relationships editor Emma Barker, health editor Elizabeth Narens, and CosmoForLatinas.com editor Alana Nunez. And today we are talking about body image in the internet. Sort of this idea, we're living in a very no-filter moment, and sort of this idea, is that helping us or hurting us? So today we're going to kind of talk about a timeline of body image. And when I say a timeline of body image, I really mean like a timeline of my own body image, (laughs) my own thoughts about it, really. Um, Some stories that have been blowing up on Cosmopolitan.com because this is just a huge topic for our readers. Um, I don't know that everyone would know that, but it's one of the most popular content areas on the site. Um, And then I sort of want to try to end with a definitive statement and really try to answer that question. Like, is this no filter moment we're living in helping us or hurting us? Um, Sound good, you guys? I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds awesome. (laughs) All right. The unicorns are shaking their heads. Um, They're in, too. Okay, so I kind of really wanted to establish this sort of idea of a body image timeline. So I'm going to go through this, and you guys should interrupt and jump in when I'm totally wrong. But... You know, when I when I think about sort of like growing up in the 80s and 90s, I think it was this moment where there was a lot of awareness about how media messages were impacting young women in particular. And so I think we all grew up at a time where teen magazines were writing a lot about anorexia, bulimia, there was a lot of awareness about this, you know, a lot of sort of pieces, service pieces about how to get help if you need it. Um, You know, 1991, I feel like this is important to mention, in 1991, Naomi Wolf, who's a feminist writer, wrote the book The Beauty Myth, and it was sort of this instant bestseller. And it was really this call to action about this idea that as women become more powerful, there is even more expectation about how they're supposed to look. So, um, I don't know, did you guys read that book in college? I feel like it came out in 1991 and was a big deal and kind of became a part of a lot of, like, women's studies curriculum. Yeah. You guys read it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, I kind of feel like it's impossible to talk about body image without mentioning that moment and how popular that book was. And she really put the media sort of, like, on... What's the word that I'm, like, looking for there? She sort of, like, really blasted the media and said that, like, media is perpetuating this idea of having to look a certain way and this really strict adherence to beauty ideals and that this is all, you know, sort of contributing to the patriarchy and men having more power than women. Um... Since that happened, I think the more recent conversation to get us, like, up to speed has really been over the past few years about Photoshop. Like, we all know there are a million, like, blogs and Tumblrs out there that are Mm -hmm. specifically dedicated to chronicling Photoshop fails. And, um, you know, we've seen companies that are really addressing this, like, thinking about, you know, American Eagle, Aries Line, their current campaign, Aerie Real, you know, this promise, we're not going to Photoshop the women that are wearing our underwear. Um, and our bras and everything. Emma Roberts is the spokesperson right now, and, you know, they're promising, like, she doesn't need Photoshop, she doesn't need retouching, and neither do you. You know, we've seen magazines doing makeup-free covers. Right. Um, There's, like, underwear lines that do do put out calls for, rather than having, like, quote-unquote models... They have quote unquote real women real modeling women. their their clothing, and you know they're still gorgeous women, but they're not size two, I guess, is what constitutes a real woman. Exactly, and we actually hear a lot of. We should talk about that a little later. We hear a lot of um, sort of backlash from our readers about that whenever we say real women. Yeah, we're like, what's real a real women? woman? Exactly, exactly. But in the context we talk about it, we sort of mean someone that isn't a professionally paid model. But um, and then I think the other thing, you know, this for a few years, I think we've had this sort of Photoshop backlash moment. And one one thing that I feel feels 
very uniquely 2015 in terms of talking about body image is this idea of this body positive movement. You know, we have seen like you were talking about with the underwear, you know, we've seen a lot of real women, to use that word, sort of organizing these campaigns of saying, like, share photos of your stretch marks, share photos of your post-pregnancy body. Um, a lot of sort of fat acceptance, you know, women sort of reclaiming the idea that I'm fat and I'm okay with that. Um, so I kind of think that is really because of the internet, the moment that we're in right now, where it's sort of giving a voice to women that are saying, I don't have a mainstream body and I'm proud of it. Um... And, you know, I also think the other thing that's happening in 2015 from a health perspective is that our understanding of eating disorders has, is so much more nuanced than it was maybe when it was like, do you guys know what anorexia is? Um, and, you know, sort of understanding that those issues aren't as straightforward as they might seem. It's not easy to, you can't just say, because we see images of photoshopped women, that is giving women eating disorders. You know, there's been a lot more studies and a lot more understanding of the way your relationship with your friends, your relationship with your mom, your relationship with your sorority sisters, how all of those things can kind of impact the way you feel about yourself. Um, so I think that's all a very long way of saying that's kind of the timeline is the way I see it and that this is a complicated issue and it's one that comes up for Cosmo editors all the time because we serve an audience of millennial women and because these stories perform incredibly well for us. So Emma, so Emma, I want to throw to you because you edit a lot, not all of them, but you edit a lot of these pieces mm -hmm. that go on the site about body image. So can you talk about what kind of stories that feel really 2015 to you that have blown up for you this year? Sure. So a lot of the stories that were really popular this year, one was um, a story about a woman named Taryn Brumfit who posted an image on her social media, I think it was on her Facebook originally, that was a classic before and after weight loss photo. We've all seen them. They're in like those ads for weird dietary dietary supplements where the person is in the original photo and they're 300 pounds and in the second photo they look like a totally different person and they're holding pants that are three feet out <laughs> from their waist. Um, she kind of turned that on the, her on its head and did a photo shoot where the before is her as a fitness model, which is what she was in her 20s or in her earlier life. And, you know, modeling in a bikini, she's ripped. She looks incredible and just, like, impossible body. And then the after is after she had her child. Um, and, you know, it's a beautifully shot photo. She's completely naked. Mm -hmm. But she's, like, you know, tastefully covered by her own limbs. And um, she just has, like, pudge, you know? She has a bit of a belly. She has stretch marks. She is not toned like she is in the other photo. And a lot of people really related to this, I think, in that, like, oftentimes the before and after isn't necessarily going in the same direction, losing weight, you know? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes it's going the other way, and she really loved that about herself and was happier with her current body. And, and right, and I think that's so interesting that, you know, and I want to talk specifically about this idea of before and afters. Elizabeth, I have a question for you about this in just a second. But, you know, those have always sort of been that classic trope of showing, like, before and after, the idea that your entire life, the before and after in your life revolves around losing a certain amount of weight. Right. And so she's really flipping that idea, you know, on its head and saying, like, this is my after. Yeah. This is what I look like now when I'm happy and healthy and maybe I... I wasn't toned or thin in the same way that I was in my 20s. But I think that's really powerful, yeah. and I think that's why that image blew up so much. Yeah, and she actually ended up starting a website called The Body Image Movement um, after that went viral and called for, you know, other people's photos, and people photos just poured in of other people's before and afters with, that were, you know, opposite before and afters. And, um, yeah, it just kind of created a social media outpouring. Right. And we've seen that a lot. You know, one image that goes viral and then women just sort of can't wait to contribute to that, I mm -hmm. think, which is really powerful. Um, so, Elizabeth, I wanted to ask you about this before and after questions. You've done a lot of pieces about this this Australian trainer, Kayla. I don't know how to say her last name. It's um, it's Sinus. It's Sinus. Okay, yeah. Kayla Sinus. <laughs> so, she is fascinating to me. So, she's a licensed trainer and she is essentially selling her workout guides and she's amassed how many? Three mil Over three million followers on Instagram alone. Yeah, 3.7. 3.7? <laughs> As oh of my today. God. Kayla, you're a phenomenon. So she <laughs> has a massive, huge following. And what is so interesting to me about her is she posts before and after pictures of women that are using her guides.
strides and have made incredible transformations to their bodies. So she's sort of by using her fitness tutorials that she's selling. So um, this is kind of a marketing play for her. Um, and what I think is so interesting about this is that, again, before and afters have been around since the dawn of weight loss time, but the idea that she's using these as marketing, but that she has built a following through that. You know, this isn't just someone seeing an image and deciding to buy her guide. They actually want to follow her. Um, and so I think it's interesting that, and I think she sort of represents the moment of this sort of intersection between body image and the internet, and that she has really built a community around this. Right. So you've interviewed her before. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, how she has built this community and kind of how that maybe makes body image different than 10 years ago where maybe you were seeing a before and after and that was a very private and personal experience, and now it's something that you can experience in community with 3.7 million other people. Right. I think it's interesting that you mentioned that, that it's different now than it was um, back in the day. I mean, I think even 10 years ago, um, you know, you would lose 10 pounds and you would kind of be waiting for people to notice and compliment you while those people that do notice and are thinking, maybe I should compliment this person, they look really great, um, they're worried that that's not PC and Mm -hmm. that that's not okay to comment on someone's weight. Um, And I think that just the era of Instagram um, and people like Kayla have made it more normal to see those before and afters and also just give people a forum to kind of do that humble brag post and show off what they've been working for. And share your progress. Right, right. Um, And I think from that person's point of view, the person that's putting in the work and losing weight um, or working out a ton, um, they have that kind of confirmation that they look good and it makes them feel better. Um, So I think that, you know, it's the oldest trick in the book to use this before and afters as a marketing ploy. Um, And I think it's working now just because people are so sick of seeing false promises and those diet pills that don't work or are not safe. Um, And, you know, even headlines um, all over the internet where you're going to lose, you know, 10 pounds in five days, and it's just completely unrealistic. So I think that um, what Kayla's doing is wor- is working just because it's the kind of the proof is in the pudding. I mean, it's, it's showing that things work. And that being said, I think that there's the other side of the story where you're seeing um, those Photoshop photos and those... Um, like self-tanner contours that make you look like you have a six-pack and those people that go viral for taking one photo and then sucking in and taking an after photo and looking, you know, 10 pounds later. And they're not really all they're cracked up to be. So I think while um, those photos can be really motivating, um, they can also be really kind of demotivating right. and just because they're unrealistic and photoshopped and all of that. Right, and I think that's sort of like part of the question that we're hopefully going to answer in, you know, the next 30 minutes. <laughs> you know, th- that can be very motivating for some people, but like can probably be unmotivating for others, can probably be triggering for others. Right. Um, and so sort of, I don't think it's simple enough to say this is good or this is bad, but mm-hmm. sort of what is your take on that? Like, is this good? Is it bad? Does it just depend on the person? Does it depend on a million things? I think it does depend on a million things, and I think it's the difference between someone who follows someone like Kayla and someone who doesn't. Right. Um, Some people want to see those before and afters, and some people want that reminder or that motivation. It's like the person that's going to put, you know, a skinny photo of themselves on on their fridge and the person that just doesn't give a fuck and (laughs) isn't going to follow and isn't going to use um, other people's weight loss photos as as a motivation. Right. Um, And then I think that outside of those before and afters and that whole weight loss transformation thing, I think there's also other kinds of motivating photos that you can, you know, opt into following on Instagram. You can look at women who are really strong or plus size athletes um, or just athletes in general that are proving that every day that, you know, strength is likable on Instagram Mm -hmm. and elsewhere and um, beautiful and, and motivating in that way. I think that's a good point of saying, like, okay, there might be a million images out there in the world, and some might make you feel bad about yourself, but so go to one of the other kinds of images or follow one of these other people that is maybe motivating in a way that makes more sense for you or speaks to you. Um, We've also seen, I feel like we have to touch on this in this episode, but certainly in terms of social media, you know, we've seen communities like Tumblr and Instagram, you know, ban certain, ban, blah, 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 blah. We've (laughs) seen communities like Tumblr and um, Instagram ban certain hashtags. You know, you can't search for hashtag thinspo, but you can search for something like 
Fitzbo. Of course, we all know that everyone gets around this. If you want to see a certain kind of image, it's easy to find it. But like, I think that those social networks were sort of maybe a bit unfairly sort of under fire for being a community where people are finding images that could be triggering. Um, and I don't, I don't know. It's such a fine line when you're talking about the difference between an image that's okay or an image that isn't. It's such a fine line. I mean, the same goes for weight loss. You know, weight loss is great and it's motivating and it makes you healthier until it doesn't and it makes you unhealthy. Right. Um, So I think it's just a matter of balancing and I think that those hashtags are banned because they're motivating a community of people who want to get to an unhealthy place. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a fine line and it continues to be. I don't think that there's necessarily an answer. I mean, I don't, I'm not a fan of banning free speech or, um, you know, any kind of hashtag. It's just that things can be destructive and I think that we need to work as a community to post images that are motivating in a way that is healthy and not destructive. Right. So sort of flood the zone approach. Right. Let's let's amplify the people that are doing this in like a help a healthy way and know that the other people that are maybe taking a less healthy approach are still out there but kind of like try to drown them out a little bit. Right. For sure, for sure. So one second. Okay. In um, but serious. <laughs> um, great. Okay. So were you good? Okay. Um, so Alana, I wanted to throw to you for a second. One of the articles that we were talking about before this was eight body image struggles that all Latina women understand. And it's illustrated with this like giant picture of JLo's booty. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course. So of course. talk about how that story resonated, you know, with your readers. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, I think there's this giant stereotype that all Latinas um, are super curvy. And I think that part of that, the reason that exists is because the only Latinas you see in media are super curvy women like Sofia Vergara or Jennifer Lopez. And um, so I think that story did really well because, you know, if you're someone who's Latina like myself, who's like a short chubby Latina who most decidedly does not have a JLo booty, it's really, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, it's true. Not an, I'm not under any illusions about how I look. Um, but it's tough to grow up and not see yourself represented in media. And I think that's actually tough for women anyway, no matter what, because as we are all very aware of, um, there's already this pressure for women to look a certain way. And so to add on top of that for, I think, a lot of Latinas, it's to look like a very certain way. Um, and so I think that did really well because there are just so many Latinas out there who are like, hey, like, I don't look like JLo and I don't look like Sofia. And I think, you know, like, I hope that's okay. But, you know, is it? Because those people aren't in media and so I don't see myself. Mm-hmm. And there's, I mean, there's, we don't have to go too much into this, but there have been a lot of, like, you know, horrifying news stories that have blown oh up God. about like women getting you know but butt yes. implants well and plastic surgery is such a thing in so many places in Latin America and it's definitely I mean medical tourism is on the rise anyway um, but it's definitely I think as well a cultural thing you know plastic surgery is commonplace in places like Brazil um, places like Venezuela because there's this idea I mean and of course to backtrack for a second when we talk about I think Latinas, we have to be really careful that it's like you have Latinas in the U.S. and you also have like Latin America. And it's definitely going to be different. You know, the stuff, I think the body image issues that um, Latinas in the U.S. versus Latin American women uh, might suffer from are, you know, there'll be some overlap, but I definitely just want to be clear that I can't obviously speak for like every Latina woman everywhere and especially not many, you know, Latin American women. Um, But plastic surgery is commonplace there because there's just this idea that you have to look a certain way and you'll see it in Spanish language media as well, that all of the Spanish language um, or all of the women on Spanish language media are, it's, you know, it's exactly like it is here. You look one certain way. um, They're all super, super conventionally attractive, like thin women, huge boobs, big butt, like they're all white. Like there's a big... Um, problem, I think, too, in Latin American uh, Spanish language media, with a lot of people just not being able to grow up seeing themselves represented. Sure, and I th- and I think you know it's one thing if you're saying like the stereotypical beauty ideas ideal is to have blonde hair. It's like okay, well we can all dye our hair blonde relatively <laughs> easily, you know, if you want to. Not, I feel like that came out like I'm saying that's what people should do. Which isn't what <laughs> it's I mean. just a changeable feature. It's a changeable mm-hmm. feature, exactly. Whereas like weight loss or weight gain, either right. one and is extremely curvy. difficult. Exactly. And even if yeah. you, yeah, and even if you lose weight, you're not necessarily going to get the body shape that you want. Sure. It's kind of a toss-up. Sure. So it's something like, if you are saying, like, the ideal is to have 
giant boobs or like have the JLo booty pop. It's like there's only so much you can do through right. squat. And that is of course not to say that JLo isn't gorgeous, you know, or Sophia isn't gorgeous. Sure. But I think there's also another added layer in the Latino community, which is that um, you know, I've had people say to me before that they think it's like, oh, Latinos are like more accepting of curves, but really mm-hmm. it's if you're curvy in the quote unquote right places, you know, sure. if you're not you're, you know what I mean? You're nobody is celebrating you. And I think that's why, you know, Latinas, for example, have um, uh, studies show they suffer from the same body image issues at the, like, if not more, at the same rate, if not more than non-Latina girls and women, but they're less likely to be diagnosed with eating disorders, for example. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's not, it's less likely to be caught, I think, by both within like the Latino community by your family, but also by professionals, because it's seen as something that doesn't happen in the Latino community if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And I was actually thinking just as you're talking about just the whole idea of the word curvy, which I feel like I've used 19 times already in this oh, broadcast. Oh, me too, I'm sure. Right. I feel like it's totally been co-opted. Like, it used to mean, like, basically plus size. Sure. Like, people, people realized, oh, plus size isn't the most, like, considerate way to phrase this, so, like, maybe we'll use curvy instead. And, like, curvy girl meant, like, girl who's not totally straight-figured. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like now it means, like, Kim Kardashian, who works out, like, 90 hours a day right. and has sick abs but, like, happens to have a big butt and big boobs. Right. And I think it's also just we don't really have a vocabulary to talk about women that don't aren't that sort of that don't have Blake Lively's body. So yeah. it's like, right. if you don't have Blake Lively's body, like you're probably curvy, yeah. you know? Yeah, it's interesting that curvy used to be an insult, and now it's kind of desirable. And even just speaking about the Latina community, I mean, um, you know, body shaming is body shaming, whether it's skinny shaming or lack of curve shaming, mm-hmm. shaming or um, fat shaming. I mean, it's shaming by any... Anyway, you put it. Skinny, sure. And I think skinny shaming is also, a, a, you know, a thing. It's a thing, I, like, no matter uh, where any you're community. from or who you are, right, any community. But it's, you know, there's, again, in the Latino community, it's like you're supposed to have these killer curves. So if you're thin, maybe you you live up to the mainstream media's expectations of what a woman should look like, but you fail as far as what the Latino community expects you to look like. So there's definitely no way to win, I think. I mean, there's no way to win if you're a woman anyway, really. Right. So, there's no way to uplifting. win. Uplifting. Right. Great. Okay. Great. Bye, everybody. Cool. There's no way to win. Um, I wanted to touch on something that Demi Lovato said a few years ago, because it, it feels relevant to what we're talking about, but she came out with this quote. I'm like, props to Demi for summarizing everything we just talked about better than I could. But I think this was last year in 2014. But she said, you know, when I was growing up and when when I was a preteen, the people that I had to look up to for body image were extremely underweight. They were all very bony at that time, and that was the in thing. I really credit women like Beyonce and Kim Kardashian. They completely revolutionized our generation's view of what beautiful is. And I think that's really interesting. I mean, Demi has sort of... Poor Demi has... She has been very public talking about her own struggles with eating disorders and with body image um, and with substance abuse. And and I say poor Demi in the sense that she's been open talking about that and and as a result has now become the sort of like de facto spokesperson for right, every the issue avatar ever. for every body <laughs> right, issue ever exactly, ever. which isn't fair, which isn't fair. But it is interesting to hear someone who is famous saying, I credit women like Beyonce and Kim Kardashian for sort of bringing body acceptance mainstream. It's a very complicated thing to say because Beyonce and Kim are gorgeous women with yeah. completely mm-hmm. unrealistic bodies. So <laughs> It's sort of, you know, I feel, and that goes back to Alana, what you were saying about JLo. Like, I just, like, I don't know how to feel about this in my heart, you know? Like, on one hand, you do want to see more body diversity, but if it's kind of just a different sort of ideal, is that really helpful? Right. It's so tough. And I feel like every day I'm always, I feel like I too, probably even in this podcast already, you know, I hold JLo up as the avatar for everything Latina, which is also not fair because she's just one Latina and she cannot represent every Latina everywhere also. Um, And it's so tough when it's like, you know, she's a gorgeous woman and I would probably kill to look like JLo, really, you know. Yes. Um, And so I hate that it's, you know, that I sound like I'm tearing her down when I say that it's still just one more way, though, that women, you now have to look like JLo, the tiny waist and the big butt and the big boobs. And it's just like so many women just don't have that. It's just not realistic for them. Like, it's not attainable. And so what do you do? Right. So a story that went, did really well for us and went kind of viral last year, actually, was a story in which one woman 
took a photo of herself. I think she was in a bra and underwear and sent it to Photoshop supposed experts, although some of them were questionable, um, <laughs> in different ci- in different cities around the world, sure. and asked them to Photoshop her according to the, her their country's beauty standards. And I think people found that really fascinating because I don't think it's necessarily that, you know, everyone has to be skinny or everyone has to be one way, but it does vary greatly based on where you live. And um, some of the ways that they photoshopped her were really fascinating. It's like, oh, you know, this is something that we find maybe unattractive in America, but in North Africa, this is what's super attractive for them. Um, it's interesting that each of those photoshoppers, despite their skills or lack thereof, um, knew what to do. You know, they knew what the, the beauty ideal was. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah, the beauty ideal. Like, of course. <laughs> yeah, I got this. <laughs> exactly. Like, everyone, right, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, everyone sort of knows. Right. But some means. one conclusion that I was actually really interesting was that um, every single culture had a very specific one. And the U.S. was just, like, a little confused. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like are. we have so many... We have so many different beauty standards. Like, we have the curvy girl who has huge boobs and a huge butt but tiny waist. And then we have the supermodel who's super straight and her clothes look like they're on a hanger. And I feel like that's kind of good that there are so many different options. Yeah, so I think it seemed like of all the countries... The U.S. seemed the most diverse, but maybe she just got the most photoshoppers from the U.S. I don't well, know. I think that would make sense because I think the U.S. compared to a lot of different countries, first, is huge geographically speaking. And so we have all this. We do have a lot of diversity, I think. I think a lot of other countries, especially the smaller ones, have a much more um, homogenous population. And so I think it probably I think it makes sense maybe that the U.S., like our beauty ideal is maybe changing or maybe, as you said, just a little confused. I don't know. I think that's good. I think the diversity is great. It's just that at the end of the day, um, you know, you're going to body shame yourself if you harp on a particular body type or an ideal that your physical body frame can't conform to. Um, And I think that despite, you know, the diversity in body shapes we see and curvier celebrities I think that at the end of the day it's the relationship that you have with your body and you need to figure out what you can change and what you can what you can work with um, and just accept yourself and to a certain extent my um, roommate and I always joke that like and like I've just never in my life lost weight ever like it's just never happened I just every year weigh more than I did the year before <laughs> but me too so, yeah, really cool it's, like, girls. It's, it, it is what it is <laughs> And like I just I feel don't. Like that's every twenty-something woman, actually. <laughs> and like, whatever. I, I was built it? for comfort, not speed. So it's fine. <laughs> but I love that. Yeah. And it's like, do I make an effort to change it? Like sometimes for a week, I'll be like, I'm gonna do yoga every day, and then I don't, and that's that. But um, and then it's like, ooh, cupcakes in the office again. But what I was going to say is, like, my roommate and I always joke, like, oh, instead of losing weight, like, you know what's easier than losing weight is just having, like, irrational (laughs) (laughs) self-confidence. I I feel like I do. Yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) Like, you know what the secret is? But I don't think it's even irrational. Like, I feel like self-confidence is a lie. Yeah, I am saying you're a hottie, but I'm also saying that I think confidence is a lie you tell yourself until you finally believe it. Like, I don't think... Ah. I I don't think anyone Mm -hmm. is just like naturally a confident person right like i think the people who seem effortlessly confident are the ones who society is telling that lie to Mm. so like society is the one telling them just like oh you're beautiful like everyone else is telling them they're beautiful so they feel confident because they don't have to convince themselves of it but i think the people who you know maybe have to work a little harder at it like you can be just as confident as those people if you just convince yourself you're confident right from the editors of cosmopolitan.com this is the cosmo happy hour with elisa benson welcome to play it a new podcast network featuring radio and tv personalities talking business sports tech entertainment and more play it at play.it you're listening to the cosmo happy hour with elisa benson can I also say something related to this that I feel like we have to talk about at Cosmo that's disgusting, but I think is true? I do think this isn't the way it should be, but I do think you get a lot of confidence. Are you going to say from Instagram likes? 
Oh my god, no. Oh. Yes, because I do. Yeah. Oh my god, I think all my confidence comes from Instagram. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I think you do get a lot of confidence from basically when basically from other people finding you sexually attractive. And I think it's that's not the way it should be. It should be like my myself, yay. But like I think you know, like no one liked me when I was a teenager. Like boys never, whatever, whatever. And like I feel like for a lot of women, it's really hard to separate that kind of acceptance from how you feel about your body. And that's not totally the way it should agree. be. But like mm-hmm. I'm right, right? Yeah. And I'm I think right. it goes the other way as well. We did a survey last year of our readers about um, turn-ons and turn-offs and times they found it, you know, this is going to get sexy, so get ready. Yeah, um, as it should. Times they, you know, reasons that they found it hard to orgasm during sex. And one of the biggest issues that came up that people were very um, uh, honest about was that one of their biggest problems and reasons that they have a tr- trouble orgasming is because they don't feel comfortable in their own body. Right. You know, it's just that they're sitting there thinking like, oh my God, I look gross naked. Or, you know, I hate that my stomach is jiggling in this way. And that's what's distracting from their sexual pleasure. And um, that's a huge problem. Right. And if I can put, obviously, like a lot of our readers are in lesbian relationships. But if I can just put men on blast for a second. <laughs> Wait, um, sure. Yeah. I, like, not that I don't every day put men on blast <laughs> in my own life, in my own way. But, you know, I think men are dummies and they like give compliments like two times a year and I think a lot of them just don't know you know it would make such a big difference to just like for them to say to their partner like like you, you look, look beautiful, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's like the Cosmo sex tip. Just compliment your partner. <laughs> That's literally <laughs> all it is. You're going to get more. Right. <laughs> you know what I think? And obviously, this is based on my own personal experience. So anecdata for the win, not based on any scientific study at all. But I think that men like, I mean, I think men like a lot of different things when it comes to women, but they're not told that, that it's okay to like different things. So, like, they're not told that it's okay to be attracted to a woman who's above a certain size or something, even though I actually think a lot of men are. Mm-hmm. They just don't want to say it out loud, and so then they, it tra- you know, they won't tell you, like, I think you're really hot, and I, re- like, I want to have sex with you. You know, I guess people don't really say it like that, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. I want to have sex with you, but, right. like, <laughs> but I think... I want to have sex with all of you guys. Yeah. No, but I Sexy. mean, I think that's a good point, the idea that men are also internalizing this idea yeah. of like what a certain kind of woman likes and so maybe they don't it wouldn't even occur to them to compliment somebody that doesn't look like whatever like porn actress they watch on TV <laughs> I don't know I, I think it's TV, just another like, way the patriarchy like in the 80s hurts men too. <laughs> but right you know it's like a, I think it's just another way the patriarchy uh, you know hurts men and women because it's like men are taught these things women are taught these things and consequently nobody talks to each other right Right. Yeah, Uh, yeah, but yeah, I think, Elizabeth, you nailed it. We have to go back to that. It's like number one sex tip. Tell her she's hot. Exactly. (laughs) Compliment foreplay. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. You should do a story on that compliment foreplay. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's just 15 minutes of compliments to each other, (laughs) and then you're both aroused. It's like the one thing you're not stroking. Here you go. I refuse to acknowledge that comment. <laughs> I was just like, this story is writing itself. <laughs> I think actually, I don't think we can um, blame or credit men that much. I mean, I think in the age of social media, you can get positive reinforcement really from anyone. And, you know, Emma, as you said, how you get most of your confidence from likes on Instagram. I think that, you know, <laughs> in real life. Like, <laughs> like on your tombstone. <laughs> No. She got her like she got her confidence <laughs> from like Seriously. I mean I'm depressed now, you guys. No shame there. No, but I mean I think getting compliments in real life can almost be replaced by getting compliments on Instagram or elsewhere. I mean if someone if you post um you know, a flattering selfie of yourself and you get a million likes on Instagram, it doesn't matter if you have, like, a guy sitting there stroking your ego because you feel amazing. And I think that social media gives you this opportunity to get that positive reinforcement that you need. So it's not just, like, you know, a taken ladies kind of Right. <laughs> yeah. And I shouldn't um, specify thing. that guys, like, compliments from guys is what you need for confidence. Like, I think it's all comes from within yourself. But honestly, like... Women should compliment each other more. Well, I also think, and I'm being 100% serious about this, even though it's going to sound like a joke, I think women should compliment themselves more. Like, I feel like I'm an early adapter of self-complimenting, but Mm -hmm. as I like to say, like, if you don't compliment yourself, who else will? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, that's how the selfie was born. I mean, it's right. the, the right. visual self-compliment. Yes, that's a well said. A visual <laughs> self-confident. Or a visual... Blah, 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 blah. I'll just like... And then actual echo. compliments when you get Instagram likes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But like, I literally have posted photos. And again, like, I feel like I can get away with this because it almost plays as a joke. But I actually am being serious. Like, I've posted... Com- pictures before and been like I'm posting this because I'm having a really good hair day (laughs) which people are like haha but it's like no but actually I'm having a really good hair day. You're not going to post your bad hair day or few women would. (laughs) Right exactly I think I'm talking about social media though and you guys tell me if you've had a different experience with this but I think one thing that we are lucky about which is totally different from being literally Kim Kardashian is that like if I post something to my Instagram people are going to comment positive things. You know, the rest of the internet is a terrible place where people are mean, but within your own personal social networks, sometimes it's almost embarrassing if you post something and, you know, it's like you're, you know, like my Aunt Sandy is like, you look like an, you know, like you have the face of an angel. (laughs) You know, almost (laughs) like that reply. I know, I know, like liking all the replies, but... I feel it's like, like you're fishing for compliments. Right. But it's just like within your own Which circle of friends, like people aren't really gonna be like, meh. Like no one's gonna say that. <laughs> they do that by people not liking your post. Yeah. Right. But don't you And like there's nothing worse than posting a selfie and getting silent. silent. Right. <laughs> the worst insult. Right. The other day I posted two pictures from brunch and um Of course you did. Yeah, of course <laughs> I did. On Instagram and like one was a photo of avocado toast and like one was oh, a photo of me it. where I like I spent like twenty minutes taking it and I looked really pretty and was like Did the avocado toast get more likes? The avocado <laughs> toast got more likes. <laughs> but avocado toast is the internet <laughs> goal. Honestly, <laughs> it was made One for of the internet. Honestly, Lisa. I liked the toast and I have to say that it was a little more relatable. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! You could picture yourself with the toast. Yeah, but, yeah. But like, uh, I could never hang out with someone as pretty as you. Oh, uh, <laughs> I feel like every podcast, I just like find a way to like tell a lot of stories about how beautiful I am. <laughs> like, anyway, like. um, yes. So, okay, what were we even talking about? Oh, one thing. This is from last year, but I feel like it kind of makes sense with what we're talking about now. There was actually a study that photos that have the hashtag no filter actually get more likes than photos without that filter. So, like, literally saying, like, you know, the whole idea of using the hashtag no filter is basically saying, like, look how beautiful I am naturally. And people respond to that. Like, that's kind of encouraging, right? No? Yes? The same study also found that, like, 30% of photos with a no filter hashtag actually have a filter. I think that's the issue. Like, I'll post, like, a no makeup selfie, but it's, like, so heavily filtered that I look like I'm wearing makeup. Right. It's almost better than makeup at that point. Yeah. Right. It's way better than makeup. (laughs) We just did a story that went live. Oh, this is airing later. So it went, whatever. It doesn't matter. We just did a story. What am I talking about? We just did a story on Cosmopolitan.com of editors and women sharing their unfiltered selfies side by side with the filtered ones. But I actually think what was interesting when we put up that piece yesterday is I think we were hoping there would be this drastic difference and it would be really compelling. They were all, like, exactly the yeah, same. Yeah, but, like, most It was, like, the sky like, was more blue. Right, exactly. <laughs> it was, like, the sky was more blue. But, um, Emma, I thought you had an interesting... You shared one of your unfiltered selfies, but I thought your commentary in the story was interesting, where you were, like, I actually think this filtered version looks more like who I really am. I didn't... To be clear, I didn't say it looks more like who you were I misquoted. am. <laughs> I, no, I was accurately quoted. Okay. I'm misquoted by you right now. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> I was. Um, I don't. I think the filtered version looks more like I think I look. Okay. Like in my mind, looking at those two photos, the unfiltered one, I'm like, I don't feel like I see that when I look in the mirror. Right. I don't. Maybe other people see that when they look at me, but I don't know. Um, but I think the reason that filters are helpful is honestly like iPhone cameras no offense to Apple (laughs) like iPhone cameras aren't as good as our eyeballs yet and so like when I look at that photo that was unfiltered it's like it was taken in the subway there's like insane shadows over my face that I hate and (laughs) (laughs) hate shadows (laughs) literally fuck shadows Um, but it uh I just feel like it looks like a gross picture of me, and I just think the filter kind of takes that off. I think my eyes are really beautiful and striking. They are. They are. are. And I think the filter, like, accentuated that in a way that I think I see in everyday life. Right. I love that. It's like, 
It's like the, the filter is just like restoring me to my natural beauty. Right. Yeah, I was going to say the filter is in the eye of the bowler. There is such a difference between using a filter to fix your photography Can and I using a filter to fix your face. You know, I mean, I think just as you said, iPhones kind of suck in many many ways um, just in terms of the photography and if you're not doing yourself justice then that extra filter will give you the confidence to post that will give you the confidence of getting all those likes yeah um, and no one's going to post something that's unflattering it's not and the point Elisa, of selfies we, we were talking <laughs> right. earlier about the unflattering thing and I think that's um, that's a big thing with body image you know with a selfie like you can really contort yourself to like not have double chins right. or like make your nose look small from a certain angle and you really have a lot of power over that and that doesn't really have anything to do with a filter. Right. That's just about like how you learned how to pose. Right. I don't like know what holding that says the camera like ten feet away from you. Yeah, but a good you, angle goes a long way. Right. <laughs> There's like that whole meme that like floats around that I feel like men think is like Reddit troll basement dwellers think is funny where it's like, you know, the side by side of the same girl and one is sort of like what she looks like on her Tinder picture and one is, like, what she actually looks like. Because, of course, the idea is that, like, we've all learned how to take a photo where we look hotter than we really are. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, yeah, I prefer to see myself as I, hotter than I really am. Yeah, and I think <laughs> that goes back to, like, creating your own confidence. Yeah. You well, know? I don't think it's necessarily deceptive. I mean, maybe on a dating site, I think it probably is. Right. Um, But... But that's actually an interesting point. Is it deceptive if what you're putting forward is like the most confident version of yourself? Right. Yeah. Everyone's like probably. <laughs> Let's all think about that. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I think it's um I think women get I think people I'll backtrack. I think people do not like confident women. And so I think that it's seen as something you know, if you are really confident as something that you shouldn't be, that you shouldn't like strive vain. for. Yeah, it's seen as vain, but it's like, I don't think there's any anything superficial about wanting to look your best, you know? I think it helps. Sometimes it makes me feel good if I'm like, hey, I'm having a great hair day, which is almost never. But, like, sometimes I'm like, I feel like I look awesome right now. And you know what? Great. If it's that small thing that puts, like, that helps um, sort of just give you an extra boost to go about your day, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And I think it gets a really bad... Rap, it gets you know. better up. I'm so glad that we're finally again. I feel like this is a very like 2015 moment where, where um, you know, the Amy Schumer sketch that was kind of making fun of all these like basically it was making fun of One Direction, although she doesn't call out One Direction. <laughs> but you know, all of these sort of songs in this like narrative of like, it's like girl, you're beautiful. Yeah, girl, you're beautiful, and you don't, <laughs> you don't even know, know you're it. beautiful. Yeah, Thanks and like for telling me, right. I had no idea before you told me. Right, and like, isn't it so attractive that you think you're a disgusting dumpster? But like, <laughs> I'll tell you the truth about it. But the minute you think you're not a disgusting dumpster, oh, <laughs> you become like, a talking. disgusting dumpster. Right. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Can't win. Exactly, and I think like I feel like we all feel so eye rolly about that so I'm sort of glad that it's now it's like okay we can all agree it's like it's at the point where you can make fun of that you can yeah. make fun of the scene in a romantic comedy where a guy says like looks deep into her eyes and says you don't even know how beautiful you are like that's <laughs> like yeah I do actually <laughs> right it's like yeah I do and I have the Instagram links to prove it yeah we're getting we're kind of getting to a point where confidence is sexier than modesty and that's a really powerful place to be mm-hmm. yes I like how I'm just like blah 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 myself, and then like Elizabeth Naren's coming and says something smart about what we're talking about. Yay! That's why I'm not doing this all by myself, alone in the unicorner. Um, we are running out of time. I had a whole list of questions. I don't know if we talked about any of them. I got so distracted talking about Instagram likes. But um, is there anything else that I told you guys to prepare, then forgot to ask you about that you want to jump in about now? Such a great host. I think something that. Uh, goes back to like how how we see these images these like you know sexy images that people put online of like you know I'm so confident in my body that I could take uh, a photo in my underwear and post it on my Facebook or that I could do this viral video where I'm standing in my underwear in the city like town square and people like write stuff on my body or I'm so confident that I did this nude photo shoot right after giving birth is, you know, a lot of people do those kind of photo shoots to uh, show that they're confident, but also to show other women that that's okay, and kind of to counter the um, movement that you mentioned in the 80s and 90s that was, you know, uh, our body image problems are coming from media, and to kind of counter that we're always seeing these certain body ideals in magazines and on um, on newsstands and in advertising, and 
they're just trying to counter that by putting these like quote unquote real bodies out there. But um, I wrote a piece early, uh, I think it was last late late last year, that was um, basically about how you know I had never even really thought about my body uh, in a negative or positive way. Like it was just the thing that carried me. It was like the bag of bones and like <laughs> meat that like carried me around every day. That's poetic. <laughs> and, <laughs> thank you. Um, that's also going on my tombstone. Uh, but I. She loved Instagram. <laughs> um, Instagram loves her. <laughs> uh, but basically, I'd never really even, you know, thought about like body image. I don't even think I had an image of my body. Like I just felt totally neutral, which I was very I happy. I like how doing. you were like, I grew up in a vacuum. I never <laughs> I thought about it. I am amazed did. by this. I, I read that piece did. and I was amazed because I feel like even in this age of body acceptance, you're still, I mean, I would have to argue at least like 95% of people have that idea of what their body should or yeah. or shouldn't look like. I think I just like got out alive. Is, well, my mom is like such a feminist warrior and just like taught us to be super confident and like wouldn't buy us Barbies so that's probably why but you know when these when these like (laughs) nude photos started getting very popular of like this is what a real body looks like this is what a real woman looks like it almost made me it made me like hate my own body more right and the reason is because you know you're looking at all these bodies and when you're looking at the cover of a magazine you're looking at whoever um, Blake Lively on the cover of a magazine I am looking at that, and I know that she's photoshopped heavily. I know mm-hmm. that she works out a million hours a day with a personal trainer. I know that she had like contouring, spray tan, spray tan. Yeah, like, she her job is to look amazing, and she spends hours a day doing it. And I feel like honestly, like anyone could look that amazing if anyone could look like that if they had that kind of team sure. behind it. So it doesn't make me feel that bad to see her. Oh my god, all the lights just went out. <laughs> I think there's a ghost. Oh my god, the unicorn is haunted. <laughs> I like how it's like anyone could look like that plunge into the dark. Yes. So, so anyways. Dramatic. Okay, the lights so anyway, are back on now. Continue. The lights are back on. <laughs> Crisis averted. Um Whereas when you're looking at these quote-unquote like real women who are posting nude photos and you're seeing their bodies, that is a no-filter selfie. And it's like, well, they still look better than me. Or like, I still like her boobs better and it's not Photoshopped. Or, you know, or I feel bad because I am looking at that and thinking, oh, I do like my body better and then I feel disgusting for like criticizing someone else's body. I just feel like sometimes the body image movement has um, backfired in some ways. Right, right. And yeah, and you wrote a really well-articulated piece about that on the site that everyone should look for. What was it called? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was called, I'll tell you in two seconds, maybe. (laughs) Nope. Uh, the body oh, I didn't know I had a body. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was a bag of bones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the body honesty movement made me feel worse about my body is what it's called. Um, and on that depressing note, yeah, <laughs> um, I do want to, um, I said that we were going to end this by sort of coming to a decision about whether the no filter movement is hurting or helping us, even though we spent the last hour talking about how there's no way to possibly make it that black and white. So I feel like your position, Emma, is sort of, it can be hard to see these images of real people, and maybe you just want to see the Blake Livelies of the world. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily. I like seeing real women, but, like, uh, I don't know that we have to be scrutinizing their bodies so much. Right. You know, like, why does it? Why do they have to be totally naked where I'm, like, looking at every crevice? Right. Like, can... Uh, like, I want to see Melissa McCarthy on the red carpet. I want to see, you know... Sure. I want to see body diversity, but I don't necessarily need to see, like, my whole Facebook feed taken up by, like, your underwear pictures. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So more body diversity, less naked. Yeah. Less (laughs) naked people on my Facebook feed, please. Right. And that's just, like, a general rule that maybe doesn't even have to do with body image. Okay, I agree with that. So, Elizabeth, final thoughts. Is it hurting or helping us? Um, I think from an individual standpoint, I think if you need to slap a filter or five on a photo to make yourself feel better 
then do it. I think that you can't, unlike Emma, I feel like you can't undo um, necessarily kind of like those images that you have in your head of how you want to look, even if it's just like, you know, less shadows under your eyes or better lighting or whatever. I think if it's going to make you feel better, do it. And I don't think it's going to make other people feel worse necessarily to see, as Alana was saying before, that confidence is kind of cool. Okay, so pro filter, own your confidence. Love it. Alana, final (laughs) thoughts? Pro filter. Hmm. I guess I would say I am. Um, I think I'm okay. I'm gonna sidestep the question a little bit and say <laughs> that I Very don't. That I don't. Yeah. I don't know um, exactly how I feel. I guess about filters and Instagram specifically, but that I do think social media overall has given um, a whole bunch of young girls and women who previously did never get to see themselves in popular media a new way um, to see themselves. It's given them access to all these other young girls and women who look like them and whether um so overall I would say that yes I think it is helping um because I really do think you know there are just so many if you're a young girl of color and you've just never seen someone like yourself in media but you can now you have that access to Instagram and social media and you can see that like there are other people like you and that's cool you know so I think it's it's helping I my final thought is that I couldn't agree more with you I think 2015 is the most accepting of looking how you want than probably any other time in my life and again maybe that's just my own irrational self-confidence but I think it's a I think that it's a good time to be a woman and it's always going to be complicated to be a woman and these issues are going to get more and more and more complicated before they ever get less complicated but I feel sort of proud of the way that you that I think we are slowly chipping away at the idea that that a body ideal has to look one certain way and I think social media has had a lot to do with that. So great, problem solved. Okay, everyone's um, confident now. I, I, know, <laughs> I know, like group hug after this, guys. Well, what will we write about now? I don't know. Right, there's nothing to write about. We Shut can down all go website. home. We'll just more, more sex. That's yeah, it. that's it. That's all there's left. Compliment foreplay. Compliment, Compliment foreplay. foreplay. Expect to see that article up momentarily. In, right, Emma? I'm, right? I'm already writing You're it. You're already writing <laughs> it. Great. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in to Cosmo Happy Hour. Um, follow us all on Twitter. Um, my name is Elisa Ben in on Twitter, E-L-I-S-A. Do you guys want to shout out your Twitter handles? Sure. I'm at Emma June, like E-M-M-A, and then June like the month. I'm at E-J-N-A-R-I-N-S. Are those your initials? Um, yeah, Elizabeth Justin. Oh. Justin? Yeah. Oh, I oh love God. that. Like the boy, but it. spelled like a girl, Y-N-N. Whoa. So like oh, androgynous. Cool. <laughs> Started it. <laughs> Um, and I'm at Alana K. Nunez, A-L-A-N-N-A-K-N-U-N-E-Z. Very long, I know. Uh, but yeah, Alana K. Nunez at Twitter or whatever. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. Twitter.com. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, cool. so, thanks so much for turning. Oh, my God. It's You can tell we're at the end because I can't talk anymore. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. See you next week at Cosmopolitan.com Happy Hour. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.